Well, g'day everyone. Uh, to those that are in this room, let me just give my welcome to you and to everyone else that's online today. Uh, hey, thanks for prioritizing and making uh, this moment, setting it aside to gather together with uh, people right across the life of our church as we gather together in worship. Hey, I want to encourage you today just with a word before we dive into this. Uh, you know, we are living in some pretty challenging times at the moment. Uh, you know, 12 months ago, we thought that we might have been coming to the end of it, but we're still nearly 12 months later. We're still in the midst of all of this. But I want to encourage us with these words. I was reading that this week, uh, coming out of the Gospel of John. Jesus was talking to uh, his disciples just before he was arrested. And uh, he knew what was coming, but his disciples really didn't. And he was just encouraging them for these moments. And he said this, John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, uh, in this world, you will have trouble. Sounds a bit like today, doesn't it? Uh, we take heart from the fact that we're not the first ones to experience trouble in this world. He said, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. That's another, another way of like saying, and be sure of this, you know what? Ground your life on this. You're going to have trouble, but I have overcome the world. And I want to just encourage us, uh, wherever we might be today, to be thinking about, uh, you know, our own circumstances, our own life, you know, the event that we're in right at this very moment, you know, Jesus promises not just to overcome the events. He tells us that he's overcome the world. He's conquered sin and death. Uh, he has overcome the world. And so wherever we are, here, online, uh, we, are, we are overcomers because our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, is an overcomer. And so I trust that encourages you today. And as we dive into God's Word this morning, into the book of Daniel, uh, I really think it's got a moment for our time today. This has been a good series so far, and uh, it continues to this to keep stirring our hearts as well. You know, this week uh, I spent a bit of time thinking back or reflecting on some moments in my life where I have found myself feeling somewhat fearful or anxious about uh, some different scenarios. You know, one of them for me uh, is, uh, and you're probably going to laugh at this, but uh, uh, and it's maybe strange for someone who's grown up on a farming environment, but over the years I have found myself, uh, I do not like snakes. Do I have anyone else here or online that does not like snakes? Uh, you know, again, for someone who's seen plenty of snakes over their lifetime and have encountered them in a farming environment, there is something, I just find myself being very wary about those creatures that want to slither along on their bellies. You know, another thing for me that has made me feel a little bit anxious at times has centered around my kids, uh, particularly when they've left the family nest to kind of pursue their dreams. You know, there's no greater delight for a parent than seeing your kids grow and mature and grab a hold of life and set off kind of pursuing the things that they sense uh, are right for them in that moment. But I got to say that uh, in doing so, sometimes that's caused me some restless night sleeps. And for the parents in this room, you might know what I'm talking about. And if you're online, uh, yeah. Uh, the reality is what might make me fearful or anxious may not be what makes you fearful or anxious, but your scenarios might be very different to mine. The reality is, though, that we all face different things in life that have a propensity to raise up fear uh, to cause anxiety, to kind of set ourselves off. And, and that's not wrong. That's kind of it's a normal human reaction that we come up against at different times. And, and so, uh, you know, in those moments, the question might really be, so what do we do when we experience that, when our worries about today and our fears about tomorrow become our constant companion? 
Well, I think the answer to maybe that question is found in our reading today. It's found in two dreams found in this unfolding story of the book of Daniel. See, in Babylon, there were this group of Jewish exiles. They'd been carried out of the kingdom of Judah, carried off by King Nebuchadnezzar in three different waves. And by the end of the third wave that had been carried off into captivity, the the land of Judah was now just decimated. The city had been torn down. The temple was in ruins. And there was only just a few people now living in that land. But everybody else had either been killed or they'd been carried away into exile. And I think it's fair to say that there was a group of people, there was a remnant that were now in Babylon who were feeling a little fearful or anxious about their lives. Everything that they knew had just been turned upside down and they were now living in this land. Well, it's into this scenario that God, I think, in his graciousness, gives Daniel two dreams. I think it's fair to say the dreams pretty much spun his mind out, but he gave Daniel two dreams to encourage and to provide hope, not only for Daniel, but for the Israelites, the Jewish people who were living in that land at that point in time. And so today, we want to just dive into these two chapters. And as we do that, we want to not only see, well, what did that mean for, 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 this, for the people of Israel, but what does that mean for us today? Now, you might be wondering, if you've been in this series, why we've jumped uh, away from Daniel chapter 4 into uh, 7 and 8. Why, why have we gone over 5 and 6? Well, we're going to come back to those chapters next week. But for the sake of following the story chronologically, we've jumped ahead to look at chapters 7 and 8. You see, what's happened so far, uh, well, we know at the end of uh, Daniel chapter 4 that Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan king, has been turned into a praising believer. And as we then open up into Daniel chapter 5, suddenly Nebuchadnezzar is no longer there, but we're, we're greeted with this new king, a man by the name of Belshazzar. Well, what's happened between this period of time? Well, Nebuchadnezzar, after ruling for 43 years, has now died. And his son, one of his sons, Belshazzar, is now on the throne in Babylon. And it's in this period of time, in the first and the third year of King Belshazzar's rule, that Daniel has these two dreams. And the first dream. Well, see, the first dream, it occurs while Daniel is napping on a couch. Now, probably we can experience that. Uh, All of us have had different dreams. You don't have to just be in bed to have a dream. Daniel's having a nap on the couch. Suddenly he gets this very vivid dream. He wakes up and he jumps up and he begins to write down the substance, meaning the the main things of that dream, begins to write them down. Now, I don't know about you, but when I dream, rarely do I remember it once I woke up. But it was so vivid for Daniel that he gets up and he begins to write them down. What do we know about this dream? Well, uh, I'm going to encourage you. You've got your Bibles open. You want to kind of come with me. But in Daniel chapter 7, it starts with uh, four winds whipping up a mighty storm over the sea. And out of this body of water comes a succession of four great beasts, all of which are very different to each other. In verse 4, the first beast was like a lion and it had wings like an eagle. The second beast, uh, which we read about in verse 5, it uh, looked like a bear that had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. The third was like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings, those of a bird. And the final beast was, more dread- was the most dreadful of all, for we're told in verse 7 that it devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth. Now, what in the world do we make of those four beasts? Well, 
we've got to keep a finger in both Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 at the same time as we're having this conversation today. And in Daniel chapter 7, verse 17, if you're following along, it says that these four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. In essence, what God is telling Daniel is that there are going to be four kingdoms that are going to arise. Daniel, you might be sitting in one of them right now. It's the Babylonian Empire. But there are three other empires that you know nothing about that are on the horizon, that are coming, that are going to uh, uh, arise from the earth. Now, where have we previously seen a reference to uh, these four kingdoms? Well, if you go back into Daniel chapter 2, you begin to discover this. You see, this first beast appears to correspond with the head of gold that's found in Daniel chapter 2, and it's most certainly a reference to the Babylonian Empire in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. This second beast seemingly corresponds with the upper part of that torso, that, uh, that giant statue found in Daniel 2, and it would refer to this future empire, the, the Medo-Persian Empire. It's not even on the scene at this point. Then this third beast appears to correspond with the lower part of the torso found in Daniel 2, and it references another kingdom that would then rise to rule the world, a reference to a Greek empire under what we now know to be today, Alexander the Great. And the fourth beast, well, it's somewhat hideous. It was tough for Daniel. It was very difficult to describe, but it seems to be connected to the, to the lower part of the image found in Daniel 2, and it references this Roman Empire, the most frightening of all. Well, as Daniel is thinking about this fourth beast, he suddenly notices that it had ten horns, and while he was thinking about these horns, this little horn suddenly began to emerge out of the ten. And we're told this in verse 9, the horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. And what does this horn do? Well, Daniel then tells us in the latter parts of, uh, this, uh, of this chapter, and you'll have to read it for yourself, but in verses 21, 24 through 25, that this horn would wage war and would oppress God's people. And while we aren't told exactly who this person is, I'm convinced in my reading that this little horn is the same individual that is referred to in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. It's a picture of the coming Antichrist. And what's happening in this? God is giving Daniel, and he's also giving to us today, a picture of a coming powerful figure that would one day oppose and exalt himself above God's. Now, we don't have time to address that today, but we'll come back to that in some of the coming weeks. Now, as frightening as this was, I mean, put yourself in that space and be thinking about that. As frightening as it was, it was so much more than just a few uh, beasts and some horns. See, Daniel also sees right in the middle of this dream a throne where the Ancient of Days, so it's a word that is used for God, where the Ancient of Days takes his seat and he rules the world. It's a beautiful image because up out of from this throne, we've got this sense that, that, that God himself brings down all that opposes him, even this future Antichrist. And Daniel then notices that this same court that brings all human reign to an end also grants one person the privilege of reigning forever. Who is this person that Daniel is then dreaming about? Uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a picture. It's, a, uh, it's an image that God gives to Daniel of, uh, of the Lord God himself, of, of, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In verse 14, it says this. 
Speaking of Jesus, he was given authority, honor and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. And it says then of his rule, it is eternal, it will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. In other words, every other kingdom is doomed to fall by God's decree, but of his son's kingdom, the one that we have worshipped this morning in song, of his kingdom, there will never be an end. And what does Daniel do with all of this? Well, we're told as this chapter closes that Daniel was somewhat troubled by his dream and its interpretation, so he kept the matter to himself. I kind of get that. Well, a couple of years goes by and we're then told uh, in uh, Daniel chapter 8, and we know it's the third year of the rule of King Belshazzar, that Daniel suddenly has another dream. Or it refers to it as a vision. This time it happens during the day. It's not at night time. And what do we know about this dream? Well, here's what we know. A couple of years later, Daniel has this dream that consists of a ram and a shaggy goat. The ram with its two horns uh, butted everything out of its way and no one could stand against him or help his victims. He did as he pleased and he became very great. That's verse 4. Then following the ram comes a male goat who we're told, verse 7, what happens? That he charged furiously at the ram and struck him, breaking off both his horns. And no one could rescue the ram from the goat's power. Now, what do we make of these two animals? Well, the beauty of the, uh, the Word of God is it makes it very clear for us because in verses 20 and 21, it gives, there's no speculation for us. It actually explains uh, who these, or what these animals represent when it says that the, the two-horned ram represents the Medo-Persian Empire and the shaggy male goat represents this Greek empire that would later rule the world. Now, you've got to remember at this point in time, the Medo-Persian Empire and the Greek Empire, they're not even on the horizon. The Babylonian Empire, it's there, it's great, and Nebuchadnezzar may not be, but Belshazzar is now ruling at this point in time. But God gives to Daniel this vision of some more empires that are coming. And then out of this he-goat, out of this shaggy goat, comes this single horn who grew in power. We're told that this little horn's power grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry host down to the earth and trampled on them. Verse 11, It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord and his sanctuary was thrown down. Verse 12, because of rebellion, the Lord's people of the daily sacrifice were given over to it and it prospered in everything it did and truth was thrown to the ground. You know, this is incredibly apocalyptic. What does this mean? Well, this single horn, as we know, was was a reference to a future individual. And we might immediately think, well, it's speaking of the Antichrist, but we've got to remember from the text that it's speaking of a future individual that would rise up out of the Greek empire at this point. And we're told it would bring much suffering upon God's people. And how long would it go on for? God says to Daniel in verse 14, or sorry, the angel says, it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, and then the temple will be made right again. 2,300 evenings and mornings works out to be about a period of six years and just four months. And we know from today, as we look back uh, into history, to a period of around 171 to 165 BC. 
that it speaks, this dream speaks of a period that is linked to an individual called Antiochus Epiphanes, who committed all kinds of atrocities against the Jews. But by God's grace in this dream, he promises Daniel that the influence of this man would be limited and that this coming future Antichrist would eventually be struck down. You know, how did Daniel respond to this dream or this vision? Well, he, we're told at the end that he was quite perturbed by all of this. And the chapter closes by telling us that he lay sick for several days on his bed before he got up and he continued to go about the business of serving the king. So what do we do with all of that? You know, what did these two dreams mean for Daniel and those who were living in exile? Well, as I thought about that this week, uh, I, you know, for me, it's really obvious as you go back into God's Word that what we have really in these two chapters is a survey of uh, human history from the time of Daniel to the very end of the earth or to the end of the worlds. God informs Daniel that there would be four great kingdoms that would arise one after the other to bring judgment on his people. And if you've got some time later on today, you may want to go into the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 25, where the prophet uh, spoke. He, uh, he prophesied and told Israel that a time was coming where they would be taken off into Babylonian captivity for a period of 70 years. They would be there because of their sin. And Daniel's also then told of this future date where power would be concentrated in the, in the hands of a single individual who would then stand as an enemy of God and all that was godly. And so you might be thinking this morning, well, how in the world could that be an encouragement to the Israelites? Well, this is what God was saying to them. You see, while life was exceedingly tough and God was undoubtedly using this period of time to, uh, to uh, uh, this period of exile to cause them to repent, He, in the midst of all of this, was reminding them of His omnipotence his sovereign rule and reign, his control over all things, even history. You see, it was God who was raising up the Babylonians and then it was God who was going to raise up the Medo-Persian Empire, then the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire. But with one breath of God, he could sweep the whole lot away in one instance. And he's wanting Daniel to see that. Daniel, you may be in this predicament with your people right now because of your sin, but this is going to come to an end and I am going to sweep away this empire. Jeremiah 25 speaks about that. You see, I think there's also something else in this. You see, Daniel may not have been able to comprehend everything that he was uh, dreaming about. And I think that somewhat explains why he was perturbed and he felt sick and uh, he was bedridden for a few days. But Daniel knew enough, enough about God in this moment about what he was actually dreaming about, that he understood that God was still in control and that one day this coming Messiah would defeat the kingdoms of this world and would establish his throne forever. And of his kingdom, there would be no end. God promised Daniel that. And so what did that mean? It was given to Daniel and it was given to these exiles it was given them with the intent of encouraging them to stand strong in the knowledge that everything was going to be okay in the end. So what does that mean for us? You know, there is so much in these two dreams 
that we could spend our time talking about today. Uh, we could unpack so much of that and we could dig around for a whole bunch of time, but we don't have that today. So, so that's for another occasion. But as we read these two dreams and as we think about them for our own lives and our own circumstances and, and into those moments where we might find, find ourselves feeling somewhat worried about today or troubled about tomorrow, what do these two dreams say to us today? Well, I want to just share two things with you today because, uh, well, just two quick things, if you're taking notes, that I, that I think really should encourage us. And the first observation is really this. You see, as we look at these dreams, it reminds us that the rule, uh, it reminds us of the rule and the reign of God over all things. And that's the teaching that's really clear in this. God wants us to know, just like he wanted Daniel to know, that nothing is going to happen in this world apart from what either he has allowed or predicted. And he wants us to understand the truth that he is in control, or his control of history is absolute. Even in those moments when he appears to be distant or absent from this world and the things that are happening around us. I've got to say this week, that was such an encouragement into my own life as I thought about the season that we are walking through, as I thought about maybe those different things that might cause me to feel a little anxious or troubled in life. And I found myself reflecting on some words of a commentator who said this uh, as he was unpacking this passage. He said, world history is going its way. But reigning over it all with his throne unaffected by earthly events is the great God. So I get an amen for that? Amen. You see, when we find ourselves feeling somewhat uh, fearful or anxious about life, the knowledge of God's rule and reign in this world ought to thrill our hearts as followers of Jesus. You know, so we take encouragement from the words of the Apostle Paul who said, if God is for us, then who can be against us? That's what God was saying to Daniel. and That's what God is saying into our lives today as well too. So you're feeling anxious or troubled? You see, like Daniel, we're called today to place our focus and our faith uh, into a God who rules and reigns over all things, even world history. Even the personal matters of our lives, the things that you think, does he really care? Absolutely he cares. And so my urging for you today is, are you able to do that? Are you able to do that and to, to place your, kind of your faith and that focus to renew that in a God who rules and reigns over all things? But here's the second observation. You know, as I think about this story, what really jumped out at me was towards the very end of Daniel chapter 8, and it is the resolve of Daniel to get up and to get going. Now, I don't think there's one person here in this room or watching online who would think that, well, hang on, that, that was pretty difficult for Daniel. And we would understand that these dreams pretty much rocked his worlds. Uh, you know, it, it was futuristic. It was apocalyptic. It was about something into the future that was intangible. He only knew the Babylonian Empire. He knew nothing of these other empires that would come, and yet he is met with these vivid images of what was going to come. They rocked his world, but... He knew enough about God's and God's sovereignty, his absolute control, his rule and reign over all things. And what did he do? He got up and he got about the business of the king. 
And I want to say to all of us today, wherever we might be watching, that I think that is a real word for us in our times. You see, how do we best respond when we're feeling anxious or worried about life? Daniel shows us what to do. It's okay. It's, you know, there are moments when we're going to feel fear. This is not about feeling fearless. It's about stepping up and being brave in these moments. You see, Daniel tells us, he says to us today, get up and keep going. Get up and keep going, trusting in the fact that God is at the center of your story and my story and all that might be unfolding around us. He's got it. And and we know with confidence that it's going to be okay in the end. So what do we do when we feel worried about today or anxious about tomorrow? God gets that. I've got to tell you, there's been plenty of times in the last 18 months that I've felt that on a regular basis. God, what are you doing in this? How do you lead through this? What do we do next in all of this? Thinking about my own family, thinking about a church environment. God, what do we do in this? What are you doing? See, when fear and worry become our constant companion, The response of Daniel is an example to each and every one of us today. We're not living in exile like Daniel was. But his example to us is what we need to do. You see, we get up and we keep on going. We get up and we keep moving forwards. We get up and we remain focused on the business, not of a pagan king, but on the business of our king. We get up and we keep on going and stay to the task of being and making disciples. That is the business of the church. And in a period of time when we want to get distracted and pulled across here, we want to divide or we've got opinions going all over the place, God's word to us today is that we get up and that we get on going and stay true to the business of our king. And I get that that's not easy. I get that that is hard. I get that uh, our focus is being pulled all over the place. But today, Daniel urges us through this story to say, you know what, if I can do it, you can do it as well too. So get up and keep on going. And so I want to urge us today with whatever we might be facing, whatever is coming at us, is that we ask that the Spirit of God would give us the resolve that He would enable us to stand up, to stand strong, to, to, and to keep on going. You know, we can't do that in our own strength. We need the, the body of Christ in that. We, we, we need the support and the encouragement of one another. You know, the Word of God says that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. And we, so we ask each and every day, Holy Spirit, would you give us the strength to get up and to keep ongoing and to be about the business of our King. Can you do that today? You know, I am praying that for each and every one of us, and I pray that you be praying that for the leadership in this church in this particular season. God, would you give us strength, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. God, would you enable us to get up and to keep on going and to remain focused on the mission of our King. You see, we have a God who rules and reigns over all things. He's not surprised. And then in the midst of that, that we say, okay, well, you know what? We we steal ourselves and we say, as a result, we're going to get up and we're going to keep on going. 
You know, I wonder what the Spirit of God might be saying into your life today and into the situations that you are facing. These two dreams, which were given to Israel, which were given to Daniel and his people, have so much to speak into our life today, into our situations and what we might be facing as well too. What's the Spirit of God saying to you today? as we continue on in worship today. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing one more song together. And uh, I trust it's going to encourage you. It's going to help build some resolve and some steel in you. But would you pray with me wherever you might be? Father, we thank you for these two dreams. With all of the complexity of them as they look into the future, with some of it having been already fulfilled and, and, and still some of it to come. Father, we just acknowledge again this morning that you are a God who rules and reigns over all things and we don't need to fear the future if our hands or our lives are in the hands of the one who controls the future. And so I want to pray for maybe people now that could be in this room or could be online watching today that maybe their life is not connected to you. Lord, I pray that there would be a stirring in their spirit today that would cause them to reach out and to embrace your son and to make him their Lord and Saviour. Father, thank you that you didn't send your son into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And today, Father, I know that this world needs your son Jesus more than it's ever needed him ever before. Father, in these tough times, would you enable us, because we can't do it in our own strength, would you enable us to get up and to keep on going? We need your spirit to help us in these moments. Would you protect us when we feel like we are weak? We just feel like we can't keep going. Or we're just not quite sure what to do next. Or we can't even make sense of what is happening to us. Father, help us to, keep up, to get up and to keep on going. Lord, we pray for your church. Right across this city and around this state and nation. Father, a divided world needs a united church. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to draw us together, to unite us around your son Jesus, to unite us around his mission that he has given to us. Lord, help us to do that and to do that really well, I pray. For you are a great, a wonderful, a powerful, and a very faithful God. And we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, just stand with me. Let's sing. Let's stand and sing together. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, thy Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changes not thy compassions, they fail not. Thou, thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto Springtime and harvest, sun 
self-encouraged this morning uh, after we've kind of dug a little bit deeper uh, into the book of Daniel, Daniel 7 and 8. Lots of stuff there for you to read here. But if you're watching online today or maybe you're here in this room and and, uh, for you, as you think about having a personal relationship with uh, God's Son, Jesus Christ, you would say, well, maybe that's something I have never done. And you would like to know a little bit more about how you can actually do that. Well, I want to encourage you, uh, if you're online, would you send me an email? connect at bendigobaptist.org.au and give me your details. I'd love to follow you up and have a conversation about what that looks like for you to have a personal relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. But if you're here in this room and maybe that's for you, well, we'll get a chance right now as well together today. But as we go from this room, let's go. We're really encouraged that we follow a God who rules and reigns in this world. And as a result of that, we can get up and we can keep on going. May that be the mantra that we kind of carry off into this week as we follow our Lord and our Saviour, as we go about His mission of of being a disciple that uh, is committed to being and making other disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, helping people to discover the goodness of God, His love for us that's been given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we look forward to being back together as the body of Christ, whether that's online or in person in the coming weeks. God bless.